When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. I have declared for the NBA draft, but have decided not to sign with an agent yet. That's a wise decision, Honky. You want to maintain that eligibility as long as you can. That's right. Also, Boomer. Well, I'd just like to apologize to our listeners. Uh, I'll be the last one with a hot take today. Uh, unfortunately, the committee felt Max RPI just wasn't strong enough. His uh, out-of-conference <laughs> podcasting schedule this last year, it just wasn't there, so he won't be joining us tonight. So, well, I'm all you get. <laughs> yeah, he is uh, uh, on vacation because he just didn't have the resume to be on the podcast tonight. All there is to it. And, um, you know, maybe he'll fix that next year. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we are going to talk some Husker baseball here, right, guys? Um, without Mac, because uh, we are in the NCAA regionals. Uh, it is unfortunate, though, that we ended up in Fayetteville, Arkansas hockey. Why is that so unfortunate? Uh, because they are the number one overall seed. And for us to be the number two seed playing them, that would make us feel like we're the last. It the feels that slight. way. That's not necessarily the case. And I'm not going to no. defend the committee, but they do only see the top 16. But Boomer, uh, it does seem a, like a not exactly a reward for the Big Ten champion who finishes three and a half games above second place to really have the, the toughest road of the three Big Ten teams that make the tournament. And, um, you know, I guess it's the six-hour drive to Fayetteville that all justifies this. Yeah, that seems to be the, the rationale that the, the committee applied here on this whole geography thing. So I guess, you know, if we'd have had a satellite campus maybe in Indiana or something like that. We might have been, <laughs> you know, better off with a draw at like Notre Dame or, you know, one of the other regions. But uh, it is what it is. You know, I, I would have thought they would have rewarded a conference champion with a slightly easier draw than that. But apparently not. So it is what it is. And. We're going to have to go out and see what they can do. Yeah, well, Honky, um, plenty of griping from Nebraska baseball fans about this. Uh, we were watching the show uh, on uh, Monday morning, and um, we had a couple of quick uh, texts back and forth. We weren't pleased with it either. But Will Bolt and his crew has not really said anything of the sort. Uh, it seems like they are welcoming the challenge. Uh, they might be a little pissed off about it, though. Well, there's video. Kevin Suits of 1011 posted some video of the team right after they were getting the announcement. And there was, I, I don't want to call it long faces, but they were not happy about it. And I, I want to be very clear. I don't think it's that they're not happy because they don't think they can compete against Arkansas or it's a fear of playing a team. I think it's just, it feels like it's a, a slight. It feels like it's a disrespect to what they've accomplished and, uh, you know, we had a, a great conversation going on Twitter with Big Red Donkey. And by all means, Redcasters, if you don't follow Big Red Donkey, do. He's a really good dude. But he had a he and I had a little back and forth where he kind of talked about how he's he's tired of Nebraska fans feeling like, you know, they're the victim. And I get that. I totally 100% get where he comes from. 
where, you know, we can have this impression of us, you know, every time a bad refing call or whatever, we're always the victim. This feels a little different though, this specific incident, because what's going on here is it's a slight against what this, this team did, but it's also, it's just the idiocy of the big 10 in a combination with, well, I guess the idiocy of the, of the NCA, how they handled this. We got kind of screwed on both ends. Uh, we got screwed up front <laughs> by the big 10 starting us a, a month late, not playing non-conference and not having a conference championship either right on top of that for what it's worth, you know, and then we get screwed on the back end by the NCA picking their regionals earlier than they ever have before. Right. I mean, yep. I think Dave, we kind of did the numbers. How many games did Nebraska actually play by the time Rutgers, that series was done. And at that point, that's when our resume is being determined whether we are fit to host a regional or not. And we started late and they picked early. So we'd only played what, like 30 some games around at that point? 30 games. I would say there at that point. Yep. That's right. And how would that compare? I guess, normally how many games have you played by the time your resume is being viewed to make this decision? If you're even, you're going to be hosting a regional. The 16 sites are usually selected the day before the selection show. So that would have been the Sunday where mm-hmm. the majority of all uh, games had already been played, except for a few conference uh, tournament championship games. So most teams would have 56 or more games played mm-hmm. when that decision was made. And, and we had 30 this year. Yeah. So as matchstick, and it was funny, he said we were the Big 12 champs and everyone right. went a Which little he, nuts over that. We it, could blame him a little bit in the sense that when he was actually yeah. here in the media yeah. in Nebraska, it probably was Big 12. But And, you know, and he even came out later and said, you know, look, he just screwed up. Yeah. Give, give him, you know, give the guy a break, right? But a fellow heard at uh, well, media he, it, guy. Exactly. He does a heard at podcast with Nick Boss. So absolutely. Yeah. But as they were talking and Kyle Pearson was talking that, you know, this is a team that really the way Nebraska finished the season and we hear finishing is important. You know, there's teams like Pitt that got, you know, looked over because they didn't finish strong, never mind Alabama and South Carolina. And I don't want to go down that list, but finishing is important. Well, we finished strong. And even Peterson said that, you know, this is a team that, you know, maybe in a normal year, if you, if we would have had 50 games to review at the end, this is a team that's worthy of hosting a regional and, you know, Haymarket park could be filled this weekend with, with fans. And instead 8, of them, 8,000 of them, like, you know, like I was a part of on, on Saturday uh, for the doubleheader there. Instead of that, we're playing at the number one seed. So it gets back to that first question you had there, Dave, which is, you know, why are we upset or why it's just, it's the frustration of the whole, when you throw it all together, it's like, well, we sh- we should be hosting something, but because of the Big Ten, because of the NCAA, look where we're at. And at the end of the day, you know what you got to do now? You got to go and play. And, yeah, let's go beat Arkansas, but we don't play Arkansas, Boomer, right? I mean, we play somebody else, and we better be prepared to play that somebody else, or Arkansas might not be uh, on our schedule anytime soon. Yeah, people have to remember that. It's not just a two-team uh, regional here. There are a couple of other opponents in it. Uh of course, Arkansas draws uh, New Jersey Tech, which sounds like a program I would have made on a NCAA football on Sega or something. <laughs> New Jersey creating a Tech. Team. But uh, yeah, they, they are a real program. They kind of snuck in thanks to inclement weather into the tournament. Uh, Stony Brook probably should have been the champs of that, that mm. conference. But uh, luckily, due to rain, they got awarded it and some weird rules their, their conference has. But uh, otherwise, yeah, the other program there is uh, Northeastern. Um, 
actually is northeastern unlike northwestern so <laughs> boston so they have that going for them and uh an eerily similar logo to nebraska so we got to watch out for that kind of a slightly more slender red and black well. in so yeah very close but uh yeah northeastern's no joke you gotta pay attention to them baseball wise they they were a solid program and something you have to watch out for you can't just look past them and start contemplating how we're going to beat Arkansas twice. Well, that was something I posted it the other night and it, I just stole it straight from a text from Dave, but uh, you, you talked about what the record was and they had, uh, I think split a series with old dominion. Who's one of the top 16. They have a starting pitcher, a freshman who's undefeated and has a real good ERA. I mean, Dave talk a little bit about Northeastern and what we are going to be seeing here on Friday night. Cause again, you, you pay attention to Twitter and they should throw me out there and pitch. You know I mean? We just need to save arms, just get anybody out yeah, there other right, than Povich right. and Roach. But the reality is we've got to find a way to beat these guys. Yeah, that's right. I don't know how short of a memory Nebraska fans have apparently because um, under Darren Erstad, I don't believe we had won our first game in a regional until 2019 when we finally won our first game and then had a, a close uh, lost Oklahoma State in game two, which would have put us in position to win that that's that regional. Um, so it hasn't always been easy to win game one. And uh, Northeastern is no exception here. You know, I, I, I'm not quite pursued on the on the Old Dominion uh, stat hockey you just threw out. I, I did see when I first saw it announced that they split two of four, but I've also seen on Warren Nolan, which is another baseball site, that it was actually they they took one of three, but they do have at least one victory over sure. Old Dominion, who's um, a seeded um, a national seed. So um a, a legit uh baseball program there they do have a starting kind of a, a friday night starter cam schleitler who um is 8-0 12 starts 1.72 era he's good um he's he's either a, a i believe because of the he had a covert covid year and then then this year's so i believe he's still actually a freshman even though this is his second year in the program um, and they also have uh, some decent uh, uh, game two starters as well. Uh, Kyle Murphy, I believe, is their second starter. I'm mean, actually I listened to the uh, D1 baseball guys like uh, Kendall Rogers and Aaron Fit. They were talking about Northeastern a little bit, and um, they thought that might they might even um, do the old uh, pitch switch where they actually have Kyle Murphy go against Nebraska with just the the shot in the dark hope that they could win that game versus Nebraska and save Cam Schleitler for um, an Arkansas matchup. So mm -hmm. um, Northeastern is, is here to win the the regional, even though it's against Arkansas, just like us, I think uh, Will Bolton, the boys have the same approach. Um, so we just got to go out and win the first game here on Friday night and then get the shot that we want mm -hmm. on Saturday versus Arkansas. Well, and, and when you talk about the same approach, I mean, the same approach is probably going to be done by Van Horn, who, when he was at Nebraska, he would pitch Komen in game ones against Butler. And there's a couple other teams I, I think I'd read that, you know, we weren't saving our starters either. Van Horn, you know, he'll typically go up there and play their, their ace on Friday night and everything. Um, but you were talking a little bit about Arkansas that they don't necessarily have the big ace this year. They're great pitcher is a guy that's, you know, coming out of the bullpen and their bullpen just in general is really strong. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Kevin Copps, who is, I believe, 10-0 and this year with 10 saves, uh, has 66 innings pitched or so, is the, the ace of the Arkansas staff. Um, I, I Just for example, I, I wanted to look up um, 
their kind of pitching rotation. I looked up the Tennessee uh, weekend, which was late in the year, May 14th, 15th, and 16th. Tennessee is a number three national seed. So Arkansas started Patrick Wicklander the, um, the first game against Tennessee, and then Kevin Copps uh, pitched the last three innings. Uh, their middle relief guy pitched three and a third. So Patrick Wicklander, their starting pitcher, only went two and two thirds. Uh, so didn't go very deep. Game two, their starting pitcher uh, only went into the fourth inning, went three and a third. Uh, Cops didn't pitch that game, but they had three others uh, come in and and, um, and and pitch. And then in game three, uh, Lyle Lockhart went four and a third. So he went into the fifth inning. Um, but then Kevin Copps ends up finishing off the last three and two thirds innings. Um, so there's Copps actually pitching seven, eight innings in three games and being the most uh, important pitcher on their staff. But uh, not one of the Arkansas starters got out of the fifth inning mm. against Tennessee. They win the series. They, they win two out of three versus Tennessee. So you're, you're not going to expect the Arkansas starters to go deep, I wouldn't think, at all. Um, regardless of who you potentially could play on a Saturday. But I'd also expect that Kevin Copps is going to be the guy that we're going to have to figure out how to beat if we're going to beat Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Well, another team that won two out of three games was the Nebraska this last weekend against Michigan to finish up the, the season. It was good for the, the seniors to get that final win, their last chance in Haymarket Park. Uh, I was there for the doubleheader there, took Kathy and Alex, and that was that was real fun to be out there. And that's a great challenge for us. Michigan, I'm so glad they got in. And their coach, it's not just Nebraska fans that can complain about this stuff. I mean, he came out there and he said, I if Michigan wasn't wasn't in, he goes, I wouldn't have blamed the the committee. He goes, you know, the, the Big Ten did this to themselves. And I mean, he was pretty frustrated about that. I think there's a lot of players and coaches in the Big Ten that can be upset at their conference right now. The conference has let them down. It's set teams up for failure. And right now I feel pretty fortunate that we got three in, but Michigan absolutely deserved it. That was a good team. That was great pitching. They had those two guys they had on, on Friday and the, and the, the game two. I yeah, mean, those Weston guys, is legit. Yep. holy smokes. I mean, that what a challenge for us. I, I It felt to me, maybe it was the 8,000 people around, but just the quality of ball being played too, the defense that both sides are doing. I mean, my God, it felt like a super regional kind of environment, and I thought the play on the field looked like it. I, I came out of that saying, I think that Michigan, wherever they end up going, Michigan could absolutely cause problems in their regional. Michigan could absolutely make it through a regional if the right things happen. You know, Maryland, um, I've seen them at also in person too, and I think the way that they finished up the season, Maryland absolutely could do some damage in a, in a regional. Uh, that was before finding out that, you know, they both are – going to regionals where they're playing little sisters of the poor teams, but, um, and we're, you know, we're going to Arkansas, <laughs> of course. I say that in joke because yes, we're going to, I, we had Twitter people responding to us and going, East Carolina's good. And I, yes, I get it. Everyone's good right now. We're in the number one seeds, you know, regional. Okay. That's the point of this. Yep. That's the point. I mean, the, everyone's good right now. Northeastern is good. We get it, but Michigan was good too. And that was a great series win. I was so glad for the guys that they they came back, won that game three. This is a really good team. They deserve to be celebrated, but uh, it's been a fun season. It's been really fun to get behind a men's sport at Nebraska that has shown up now, got a trophy to go along with it. Thank you, baseball, for doing what you've done because it's basketball and football. It's been tough, and this was a, a fun season. Yeah, no, absolutely, Hawk. You know, I mean, I think – 
It is it is interesting in the sense that it, it does feel like we've been, you know, disappointed in this this draw, right? But um, the reality is, is we're the only two seed from the Big Ten. So in general, they actually probably looked less highly on the Big Ten than other conferences due to the lack of non-conference mm-hmm. uh, games. And I mean, I, I've, I said it in an earlier show. I mean, that that committee should not look at the RPI for for the Big Ten because it's just totally unfair. Um, and in fact, um, they did that bring Michigan in at an RPI of like 82, which is probably the lowest of all time. So it's, it's a, a mute conversation about what that RPI actually means for Michigan because it is mm-hmm. only against conference teams. But the fact that they use RPI at, at all is concerning. Um, but that's the reality of how they penalize the Big Ten mm-hmm. is that they, they still use those metrics. And so, uh, Boomer, help me out here a little bit. Michigan is in the Notre Dame region, right? Correct, yeah, with Notre Dame, uh, UConn, and Central Michigan. So Right. All, that's all it, easy that's... travel, so yeah, and the important thing for the conference. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they can share so, a bus with Central Michigan coming down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an interesting uh, regional there in the sense that Notre Dame, probably the biggest slight of the selection committee was not giving a top eight seed to Notre Dame. I think they're 10th. I believe 11, something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, D1 baseball, baseball America, I think all had them higher up on that list. In fact, I think in the the D1 top 25, Notre Dame is like six in the country. Uh, Speaking of, they ran away with the ACC, um, but they had very few non-conference games. Most of them got canceled, right, Boomer? And so they penalized Notre Dame, similar to how they penalized Nebraska, the Big Ten champ, by not playing any non-conference, by knocking them down, um, the ladder of, of seeds. Yeah, that seemed to be just kind of the, the story of the, the committee. It was just they looked at RPI quite a bit, and they penalized teams that didn't have a non-conference resume, regardless of what you did. And it's, I mean, what else can you say? The Big Ten and the ACC both kind of suffered for it, and, and Notre Dame probably did draw a, a short straw there and probably should have been a higher seed based on their performance this year. And, yeah. and to be honest, when Notre Dame, I saw they were, you know, the 10 seed, I honestly didn't think Michigan was going to get in. I was kind of surprised to see them in the bracket. I just thought mm-hmm. if they were, yeah. if they had already discounted Nebraska as much as they did and were obviously knocking Notre Dame, I would not have been shocked if Michigan didn't make it in. Yeah, that was the first text that Dave sent after uh, we got in it in the Arkansas regionals. He was like, I don't think Michigan's in. It was such a slight right away that it just felt like, you know, we might not get that third team in. And, you know, throughout the season, the conversation we've had is we kind of thought that the Big Ten in general could be a three to four bid league. As it turned out, we at least got the three in. We think that the, the league probably had teams that were probably four or five or even six teams that could have been good enough in a traditional year, yep. but they just weren't going to get the resume. What Big Ten team, Dave, do you think has the biggest gripe for not finishing fourth, not being at least the fourth team in that we thought maybe was a possibility? Well, I think it's a pretty weak gripe, but Indiana probably is the fourth best team in the, in the league. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they spent some time in the, in the top 25 this year and they we're playing well earlier in the season. They just don't have as much firepower as they usually do. And uh, they didn't close the season well at all. So it's hard to feel too sorry for the Hoosiers. But mm-hmm. to your point about being penalized with the Big Tens of non-conference where you're not playing any of those extra games, Indiana is one of those Big Ten programs because Bloomington's a little bit further south there. 
they typically cross over and play Louisville and Kentucky and a few of those uh, SEC or ACC schools that are nearby. And they typically build up an RPI because they'll beat Louisville. You know, they have a good rivalry with those guys and they just didn't have that chance this year. Right. So it would have been interesting to see if Indiana could have built a resume early in the season that would have got them in, even if they struggled a little bit down the way. The other Big Ten team, I think that uh, could have played their way in. And Boomer, you made this point uh, earlier uh, in the season is Iowa because they had a very easy and manageable last three or four weeks of the regular season, and they just didn't get the job done, right? Yeah, I don't think uh, either Indiana or Iowa has a real legitimate gripe for not making the tournament. They just they didn't do what they needed to do. Iowa had, you know, we we like a, like you said, we'd mentioned they had a good chance to possibly even make an outside run and actually win the Big Ten. They did. They had a soft schedule to finish the year series against Illinois and Northwestern, and they lost those series. You win those series, those should be two sweepable series by any yep, program right. that has, you know, aspirations of making the tournaments. And to lose the series, that's bad. And then you drop a game against Penn State that was winnable. And you pick those up and, you know, you maybe sneak one more win against Indiana or somebody like that in there. And they could win the conference and they could be the ones, you know, complaining about having to play Arkansas. But, yeah, they just didn't do what they needed to do to get in and Indiana, they just had opportunities. And again, if you compare like Indiana with a team like Alabama that did get in, you can just see how much the committee seemed to value just playing non-conference games. Alabama didn't really play any barn burners in the non-conference, but they just yeah. stockpiled a bunch of wins against like McNeese and Wright State and Stetson, you know, the makers of fine hats and you know, <laughs> college of Charleston. And then they didn't really beat anyone of consequence during the season. And it just, stockpiled a bunch of wins and got themselves in. I mean, they were below, well below 500 in the SEC. 12, I mean, yeah, 12, and, 17, 12 and 17 or something like that, or 13 yeah. and 16, something like that. Yeah. But, mm. yeah, they were barely above 500 just in yeah. their regular record. Yep. Yeah, South Carolina, was, clearly, they weren't barn burners either, but they still somehow managed to get basically the 16th uh, regional hosting seed, too, over Gonzaga. Well, it's good uh, to see the SEC finally catching a break yeah. you know, in the postseason for them. in college good sports. For them. So, yep, long suffering. Especially in baseball. Yeah, maybe they have good leadership in that conference. Maybe yeah. they know how to play the system, you know, <laughs> if nothing else. Or incriminating photographs. I don't know. It's the best yeah. I can figure. So. <laughs> That's true. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Maryland bra- uh, the Maryland Regional Boomer. Uh, so Maryland gets to play East Carolina, uh, the Pirates, Greenville, I believe, right? Um, and yes. to whoever was complaining to us on Twitter, East Carolina has been a College World Series participant um, in recent history, I think maybe more than once. Um, and so it's a good program. Um, they've been here before. They've hosted uh, regionals before. Who else is in that with Maryland? Uh, Charlotte is also in there because, and they were a possibility for being a you know number one seed and a yep. regional host too. So you know it's not the easiest seed in the world. And I think the other one is oh gosh, is it Norfolk State? That's the other team. Ah yes. Yep. Don't know a whole lot about them, sadly. No. Research yeah, I, slacked a little there, but yeah, East Carolina and Charlotte are solid programs. So again, things Maryland can't sleep on. They just can't expect to walk through that, that regionals are both legit programs and they're going to have to take it seriously too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think really interesting that both the Michigan and Maryland regionals, you feel like the two and threes are both pretty darn good programs. And then, and the ones are, are had great years, but aren't maybe, you know, a one in the, in the, category of a Vanderbilt or a Texas or an Arkansas and could be vulnerable, quote unquote. So we'll be interested to see what happens in those regionals. Should be a lot of fun. And now, Scarlet Colored Glasses. 
All right, fellas, let's put on our scarlet-colored glasses and talk all things Husker football. And a few things have happened since our uh, last show. And Honky, uh, number one on that list, I would say, is a schedule release of sorts where we now know the start times of six of the Nebraska football games this coming season, uh, including the first four or so, right? Yeah, uh, we don't want to be complainers as Husker fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> Although Oklahoma so, might complain with us on this one. I, I think, think they, I've already heard that. I think they will for this. Um, guess what? You know, hey, you know, wake up early, folks, and get your Bloody Marys going because uh, we are still going to play some early kickoffs here. And, uh, you know, I know specifically for Redcast Rob and Mac and I, we are playing to head to Champaign for that game in Illinois. That's a noon kickoff. Fordham is an 11 a.m. one. Buffalo's a 231. Dave, to your point, at Oklahoma is going to be an 11 a.m. kick. And then uh, Northwestern, they announced that's a 6.30 evening kick. That's homecoming uh, in Memorial Stadium. And then Iowa, uh, 12.30, you know, Black Friday, BTN game. And, right. again, you know, I've seen some people complain about that being on BTN, that that's showing how far we have fallen or, or how Iowa isn't a – big time opponent the way that an Oklahoma or Colorado was where, you know, you used to get ABC national. It's, it's a different, I don't know all those logistics boomer. I don't know if there's definitely a, essentially like a, an order and it, that can rotate yearly on certain weeks or, or games. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if BTN took um, Iowa, Nebraska early essentially, but I think to your point, just in general, that weekend is very different than what it was when we were kids. Most people, I don't, it feels like we have selective memory, but there wasn't mm-hmm. nearly as many games played on the weekend after Thanksgiving than there is now. And on Friday in particular, there's only a, a handful, maybe one or two really. Um, so there just wasn't, most of the season was over by you, by the time you played that weekend. And so it was going to be a national game, no matter how good Nebraska or Oklahoma or Colorado was going to be, but it times have changed. Yes. Yep. Now, to rewind here and start at game one, you know, Boomer, I, I want to question just some of the logic on some of this because that's a week zero game. There's only five games, I believe, in FBS, and there's only one other uh, matchup that's a, a power five. I think UCLA plays somebody. Is yeah, I play Hawaii. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And so the, the only power five versus power five and the only conference matchup is Nebraska versus Illinois. I mean, I don't know what else is going on in the sports world that Saturday, but it feels like that could easily have been at least a 2.30. It doesn't make a lot of sense why it's early. Yeah, I think um, that's probably uh, baseball, I think, might be going on that weekend, too. So I think Fox might have some baseball scheduled for the afternoon there. Well, I, I would imagine, is, but it's not. Yeah, I think this is just another one of those yeah circumstances where it's like you said, they kind of rotate who picks where and – you know, if you're Fox and you're trying to push Big Noon, you know, that's their thing they're trying to push. You know, trying to have those games of that kind of slot in that early afternoon. What else are you going to do that day? There isn't anything else that's going to be worth mm-hmm. watching football-wise. So you want you want a product on that day, that first game of the year, to kind of get eyeballs on your broadcast, you know, your time slot that you're hyping. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that is the choice you make. Well, so. if we would have actually been playing in Dublin, that would have been an early game for sure. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, sure. Next yeah. year, whenever sure. we play Northwestern, it would have been a night game, but it would have been a noon game. Yeah, it'd be a noon game at best. Well, I remember watching Notre Dame a few years ago play in Dublin. I think it was like against Navy, and it was like a six thirty in the morning kickoff. 
happening before or during you know ESPN game day going on during the day. So what time know, was it here when we played in Japan ago. back in the nineties? What's that? What time did we play oh, in Japan? That was played? an evening game. I can remember staying up in the basement like yeah, two late. Was it like two in the morning or yeah, it was yeah, really late. I remember on the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were essentially playing the next day practically, right? It was almost like a noon kickoff there that was, you know, being played on on a Sunday and, and it was Saturday here at like it, it was. It was like I I felt like it was like a nine o'clock kickoff or ten o'clock. It was late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was in ninety two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I and mean, that, that'll be interesting to see, um, what that looks like next year, um, versus Northwestern. But so to run down the list, game two, Fordham, you wanted to have that to be a recruiting weekend and that's also an 11 AM. So that's not ideal. It's also Memorial or Labor Day weekend. Uh, so it, that is what it is. Hopefully, um, it, it does, uh, give us another home game early in the year, and a chance to collect a, a victory there, but it may not be as big of a recruiting get as you would have liked if it was a night game. Well, and maybe Buffalo turns into that recruiting one too at a two thirty uh, kickoff the the following week. So that yeah. at least that goes back to the point that I frost. You know, they wanted multiple early home games for recruiting. They got it. They wanted the extra home games for the finances. Well, that's kind of what Garth Brooks brings. I mean, everything that we had talked about back in March when the the uh, the debacle almost with o- Oklahoma was happening. Everything that we wanted out of it has happened since that day. I mean, we've gotten the extra big event with with Garth, and now we've gotten opportunities to get uh, more than one game before October in Memorial Stadium. Now I'm getting a little picky and would just like it to be an hour or two later for logistical reasons and recruiting, but whatever. It is what it is. Yep, that's right. Tailgating, et cetera. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of logistical reasons, I mean, that's the reason that Oklahoma is disappointed that they are on big noon kickoff in week three against Nebraska because uh, they do have a lot of ceremonies planned, which is interesting. It says they lost the game of the century, right, guys? If mm-hmm. I remember right, they lost the game of the century. Yeah, but they did indeed. They're celebrating it with us very nicely. I appreciate that, <laughs> Sooner fans. Um, and there's a lot of ceremonies out there. I'm sure Johnny Rogers and and others are going to be out there and it's it's tough because it's an early early start time 11 a.m local right and so uh it does uh, impact the logistics of how they can celebrate the 50th anniversary of the game of the century so i mean boomer what was your take on oklahoma being so straightforward on their complaints about uh fox putting them in that time slot yeah i thought that was interesting i don't recall ever seeing a program you know, athletic department just come straight out and call out a TV partner, you know, as much as they did. I mean, that was straight up from, you know, the athletic director complaining about the the time slot. It kind of shocked me, actually. Normally you might just say, oh, we welcome playing the game, whatever, you know, yada, yada. But no, they really seem to take offense to that. I don't know. Like I said, I imagine they did have a lot of events planned and an 11 a.m. start kind of puts the kibosh on that. You know, the game doesn't get over till afternoon. And, you know, once we win, that'll dampen all their spirits, too. <laughs> so, yeah, it does make that a little tougher. And I suppose they're probably used to the concept of the, you know, the big matchup being kind of an afternoon or evening game. Um, I'm not sure who else is on the schedule that week. Um, I haven't it's looked yet. It's a pretty good week, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it, but, I, it, you know, it's not that Oklahoma doesn't play early games on a regular basis. Yeah, Texas, I mean, Texas, Texas is always an early game. I, I do it? think... Is it always like an 11 a.m. kick or noon? Yeah, yeah I mean, it is. It yeah. is. But I, I think that's a part of the storyline, Boomer, is that the fact that Oklahoma plays multiple 
big noon kickoffs. Um, and even when it's not on uh, Fox Sports, sometimes it'll be on Fox Sports 1 and it's still an early kickoff. And so they just feel like they've had too many of these 11 a.m. start times. And, boo, and once boo. I, yeah and and they're just like you know we we don't want it any longer it's just interesting and since yeah. that fox is a tv partner clearly has tried to find a niche in the schedule that they feel they can they can fill with this noon eastern kickoff and um uh some of their their partners um just would rather play at, at a later time, you know? Yeah, maybe Fox knew a bunch of guys from the game of the century are going to be there, and they usually eat supper at four, and they wanted the game over. But <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that's how that probably ended up. Well, that's kind of ironic, considering Oklahoma is the team that kind of blew up the old uh, TV rules that used to be back in the 70s it and is 80s. true. And kept everything limited. So you yeah. really have no one to blame but yourselves for these floodgates, Oklahoma. So yeah, just, just think about that for a while. Yep. All right, Honk. Well, I think we've covered the schedule relatively well. I think, you know, once we see... Uh, how some of the, the season goes. Maybe we'll have a few more night games uh, getting plugged in there later. Hopefully we have opportunities yeah. to have some primetime matchups. Well, anyway, uh, other other things you want to talk about, Honky? We're just kind of going around the horn here on this one. Um, uh, maybe we could talk about the dead period being lifted, right? We are doing the show here on June 1st. is the first day that the coaches could actually have interactions with players and how long has it been? 15, 16 months at least now. Is that yep. right? And so lots of things are happening across the country, including right there in Lincoln. Yeah, a long time coming. And uh, I drove by the stadium early this morning and to see the big screens on. And they're, you know, they're obviously having recruiting visits there. And it's not just recruiting visits. They're also putting guys through different tests and, and seeing if they're going to offer players. And one of those players was Lincoln Southeast Jake Applegate who uh, he came down here and he got worked out by the the coaches today, ran a nice 40, did some outside linebacker drills for him and did a, a good enough job. He's 6'4", 210 pounds, ran a 4'6", and uh, did a good enough job in front of the coaches that they offered him a scholarship. So uh, he still has other offers and he's going to be doing some uh, other uh, visits, you know, over the course of June here. But I, I like our chances with him. And again, that's another, there's an in-state kid there for us is, you know, still going after him. I, I know we're going to lose a few Omaha kids this year, but uh, he's still going after those guys. And and speaking of an Omaha kid, an Omaha area kid, uh, they even sent uh, an offer for an in-state 2024 quarterback, Daniel Kalen, 6'2", 190-pounder, uh, heading into his sophomore year. Hasn't started yet or anything, but he plays for Bellevue West. And, uh, you know, the first opportunity last night, uh, they Nebraska gave him an offer. Florida State gave him an offer. I think there's some other Power 5 ones that are coming his way. So, Again, you know, the issue I've ever had with Husker coaches in the past is don't be slow playing, you know, Nebraska kids and and go after them and, and recruit hard and get, you know, make relationships with all the, the coaches in this state, all that stuff. I've never had an issue with Frost and, and company with how they've gone about that business. But yeah, the dead period has been lifted. Yeah, you know, Boomer, I, it is interesting that a, a sophomore to be from Bellevue has got a scholarship at offer from Florida state. Uh, I think I read his stats um, nine of 18 last year and only in backup duty. He's not even started slated to start this year. Um, but so most of this is based off of this um, quarterback uh, camp or Academy that he attended 
which apparently he did very, very well at because to get that type of uh, attention from multiple power five schools, even outside of your state uh, is really something. Um, and just, it's just amazing the, the recruiting and how it works uh, at this level. Right. Jeesh. Yeah. I was kind of surprised at that too, that he's you know getting offers already. That had to be a hell of a camp, uh, camp performance there. Just given, like you said, I mean, his stats are equivalent to hockey's NBA stats. I mean, he just <laughs> hasn't had any yet. I mean, he, physically from what I've read, it sounds like he's got tools a quarterback needs, but again, there's just not a whole lot there yet. So at least that the public's been able to see, but outside of that camp. So you know, yeah, I'm, it's looking, just kind at, of I'm looking at my, yeah. my Twitter feed right now here, guys. And I, I see Mac, is telling me he's at a uh, all-star podcast academy. Um, what is he trying to like? Uh, you know, get out of the the redcast here, guys. I mean, maybe he's trying to get an offer from Florida State. I don't know. I'm trying to get that extra star, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah. As far as you know, roster management goes, I guess we always kind of tie that together with recruiting. Uh, Jacques Yant, uh, the running back that we talked about uh, at great detail over the spring, uh, he was awarded a scholarship today. And so what that does is if you look at the roster, we're sitting at 158 players right now going into the summer. And of those 158, 85 of them are scholarship players, now counting Yant. But five of those 85 are returning six-year seniors, so they don't count against the roster max. So what that means is we still have five available scholarships for the 2021 season. But because nothing can be easy, uh, not all five of those can just be used in the transfer portal or bringing somebody from the outside in. In fact, only two of those spots can be used for new incoming players. So let's just assume that we're going to go to the portal route and grab two transfers. You name the position. doesn't matter. If we do, then we have three more spots available to give to walk-ons. If we give one away, there's four. And if, or we could give five more scholarships to walk-ons right now. And to be quite honest, there's plenty of walk-ons deserving uh, and that could be playing some pretty substantial minutes for us. Uh, right away at the wide receiver spot, Oliver Martin, Levi Falk, uh, kicker Connor Colt, Boomer, I think you would probably agree that the returning all Big Ten kicker probably is deserving of a scholarship. Well, we'll let him go this year, and then we'll see where he's at. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he'll love that. But, you know, Wyatt Lever, uh, offensive lineman uh, Newley, I uh, can't pronounce his first name. I'll figure it out in a couple of years. I'm, I'm good at that way. Uh, D lineman, Colton Feist. I mean, there's a number of guys that are walk-ons that, that are going to be playing some minutes next year. And so not a, all of them are going to be able to have a scholarship, but we still have a few at least that we can offer there. All right. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, as always, the, the uh, roster is always in flux. And um, I imagine there'll be a little bit of movement here over the next couple of months as we rev up into the preseason. Speaking of preseason, the preseason mags are already out. The magazines, right, Honky? I have not been able to take a look at all. I, I did see that uh, the Phil Still magazine ships on June 24th, um, but I think you said Athlon is already out. Is that right? Yeah, I saw Athlon in the in the uh, store, and then yeah, Phil Still always posts on Twitter, you know, who, which coach he talked to today, and then he gives a countdown to when everything's going to print. Uh, obviously, for us, we're big uh, supporters of uh, Brett Siancia and, and Pick 6 Previews. I'm sure we'll be talking with him here in the next month or so, and he'll be releasing his his publication here uh, shortly as well, too, uh, to go along with that. When he does, we'll, we'll let you guys know, Redcasters. But uh, the one thing that was a little bit interesting, I'm not going to read, it's a really long quote, but one thing Athlons does is they do a coach's comment from opposing coaches that size up 
your team. And uh, whoever this opposing coach was, he, uh, <laughs> uh, he was about as harsh on Frost, I think, as you can be. And, and uh, he started off going, I think it's uh, time to start talking about the bigger picture here. I don't think anyone expects Frost to be on the hot, speed right, hot seat right now. No one is talking about 21 as a must-year win for them. But they're so far from where they expected to be. You have to start asking some serious questions. Why are you losing a star player to Kentucky? Why is a QB who could have been your starter now at Louisville? It continues on. And basically, by the end of it, says there are issues related to talent, but the issues all lead straight to the head coach. Good grief. I'd let, anonymous coaches are wonderful you know, to, to hear that with. You know, why is, <laughs> why is a QB who could have been a starter now at Louisville? Because he couldn't have been our starter. We, we saw yeah. it. I mean, I, that's why he's at Louisville, and he's not going to be their starting quarterback. Or if he is, they're not going to be a very good team if he's starting a quarterback for them. I, yeah. That's not a starting quarterback. Now, you can question why did we take a flyer on him at quarterback, but reality is he's a D1. I've said it all along. He was a D1 talent, and he could play other positions. I mean, he wouldn't be the first McCaffrey to uh, you know play running back and wide receiver and kick return and all those things, right? I mean, he could do that. But he wasn't doing that here. He wanted to play quarterback. And when he got out there, well, everyone saw it. Yeah. So, but whatever. That, I'm not going to rehash all that. Uh, we're not going to rehash why Wandell Robinson left and we have a bunch of 6'2 and 6'3 receivers. I don't think the wide receiving core is going to be where we are talking about next year. Like, oh, gosh, you know, we're, we're missing somebody. I think we're going to be really happy with the wide receivers that we have out there. But whatever. It was a, it was a heck of a quote. I'll just say that. Yeah. I mean, and really – Feels like unnecessary, I guess. That's really, really surprising. Um, but it's preseason mag time, so that's not going to be Nebraska's strength right now. I mean, if you're looking for preseason mags to cheer you up, Husker fans, don't. And they shouldn't right now. I mean, the preseason mags are based off of, typically speaking, not forward thinking. They they go off of what you did last year. And Nebraska, yep. that, we don't have the benefit of history. And when I mean history, I mean recent history on our side. Okay, that's not going to help us out here. We're not going to come into the season with three preseason first-team offensive guys and defense. That's just not going to happen. Don't worry about it. I feel really good about the roster that we have, but they have to go out there. They have to prove it, and let's see them be on the postseason all-award list and all that. They're not going to be on the preseason ones. (laughs) Yep, that's right. That's right. And, hey, look, you know, there's precedent on this, Honky. Look at the Nebraska baseball team, right? Yep. No preseason hype at all. Wasn't picked in the top six. We end up having uh, the coach of the year, the player of the year, the freshman of the year, um, and we didn't get pitcher, but Kate Povich uh, won his third pitcher of the week award uh, last week. So, and I think we were four first team uh, all Big Ten players. So, uh, really did a, a nice uh, sweep there on the uh, season end awards for the Big Ten. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if baseball can do it, um, it's a different game. Completely different conference, but um, having unexpected success can happen. Yep. All right, guys. Well, uh, nice tight show here without Mac around. Um, <laughs> that guy would have talked forever about baseball. Um, <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So let's let's get out of some parting shots and and get ready for uh, weekend baseball. I'll start with Boomer. Well, I just thought I'd uh, touch on uh, another one of Mac's favorite subjects and uh, sport. You know, we haven't had a lot of chance to gloat here on the Redcast with uh, sports, but I uh, just want to reach out and announce that uh, the St. Kilda Saints were more than eight capable of uh, curb stomping uh, Redcast Rob's uh, North Melbourne Ruse this weekend. So I hope you all stayed up to watch that. So I made money we, on it. Yeah, see, there's that. So good job, everyone there. And at least we got one win to 
go on this miserable season. So good job, Saints. All right, all right. And all right, Honk, get us out of here, man. Uh, it is June, and uh, the Big Red Blitz is set for Wednesday, June 16th. So if you are living anywhere near the towns of Alliance, Broken Bow, Shadron, Columbus, David City, Fremont, Grand Island, Hastings, Holdridge, Imperial, Kearney, Lexington, Loop City, Norfolk, North Platte, Ogallala, Scotts Bluff, South Sioux City, Valentine, or West Point, there's a good chance that you can go out and see some of your favorite Husker players and coaches from all the different sports and, and whatever the devil they do on their Big Red Blitz Day. So go out there, support the, the program, and go Big Red. All right, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Beat Northeastern. <laughs>